Hi, I'm Mike Farwell. You probably know me best from my roles as the host of the Mike Farwell Show or the voice of the Kitchener Rangers on 570 News. But today, I'm here for a different reason. Today, I'm here to tell you to stay the at home. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. We are living in extraordinary times, absolutely living through history right now, a time in our lives, in our history as people that we will never forget. And it's not just about the sports, our favorite games that have gone dark during this COVID-19 global health pandemic, but also the restrictions that are being placed upon us, or at least requested of us. Don't go outside unless it's absolutely necessary, or at least don't congregate with groups of people. Get out for a walk. Enjoy the weather that's finally improving, but stay away from the large groups. Don't go shopping unless it's absolutely necessary. And even don't go to work. We've seen so many businesses close down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Ontario Hockey League, the Canadian Hockey League more broadly, no different. It has also been closed down and we will not, for the first time in its history, see the Memorial Cup awarded. That's not insignificant. Remember, the Memorial Cup was still awarded during World War II. Anyway, here we are in 2020, and there will be no Memorial Cup champion this year. Kudos to Isaac Ratcliffe. He was the first person I saw tweet about it, and he tweeted a picture of himself hoisting the OHL championship last season as a member of the Guelph Storm and said, so I guess this means we're still defending champs, right? (laughs) Right you are, Guelph Storm. You are the defending OHL champs as we look ahead to the 2020-2021 season. And uh, in hopes that, of course, by September, all of this is but a memory and we can get back to the things that we enjoy so much in life. If you're wondering why mine is the only voice you're hearing, on the Farwell and Pope podcast this week. I'm the Farwell half of that. It's because I think Popper and I, after all our time together, have had a bit of a communication breakdown, or maybe we never learned how to communicate properly because uh, I sent a text to Pope earlier this week asking about getting together for one more podcast. We'd record it with me in studio and him on the phone, just like we did last week. And his response was, do we honestly need to do one? So I took that as a, okay, you don't want to be a part of this podcast. Me, in case you didn't know this, I might be a little bit on the particular side. I might be flat out anal retentive, but I need closure. I need to to put an end. There's a beginning to the hockey season and an end to the hockey season. This season's hockey end is different, but it's still an end. So I need for my mind and my brain to have closure. And so I needed this final episode. Pope will join us a little bit later, and we'll get to the bottom of this communication breakdown. In the meantime, a guy that has seen more than his share of OHL games, and in fact, has a streak of 20, I believe it is now, consecutive Memorial Cups that's been interrupted. It's not going to count against the streak. It will continue as long as a Memorial Cup is being awarded, but... I wanted to check in this week for his thoughts with Terry Doyle, who is the play-by-play voice of the Sarnia Stick. Well, Terry, I'll begin by 
acknowledging, I know we both agree, that this was absolutely the right decision by the Canadian Hockey League to cancel playoffs, Memorial Cup. There's just too much unknown. But before we get into all of that, selfishly, for just a moment here, this is an interruption to your streak of consecutive Memorial Cups attended. No, no, this is, yes, you're right, it's a break from it, but it will not be, the streak will continue, of course. Of course. Yes, but yes, it is uh, going back to the year 2000 uh, in Halifax, uh, you know, been had a, you know, the opportunity, the honour, the pleasure, however you want to call it, of attending all the Memorial Cup games in this century, I guess you might say, and it's, it's a blast to uh, see Canada and the top uh, junior hockey at the same time, so we'll just uh, have that little long break between Memorial Cups, just as we normally have one year in between i guess we'll have two years in between but uh, just have to uh, keep the streak going in either oshawa or the sioux in 2021 yeah anybody who had any idea that they might be attending this year's memorial cup uh, must have been pretty excited with the location as well you would have been there back in 04 but Kelowna, what a spot to spend some time in the spring yeah, it's a beautiful spot, and uh, it's one of those areas, too, where, where the arena is, the main hotel's across the road, where I was going to stay. I had actually a condo lined up just uh, north of the arena, probably about a five-minute walk, and any Memorial Cup where you, what I call you can have a city within a city where the restaurants, the other, uh, you know, alcoholic establishments for people to get together, the uh, arena, the hotels, you name it, are all within walking distance. You just stumble into people all the time. You don't even have to make social plans after the games. You just run into people, you run into players, parents, officials, you name it. It just makes for a great time. And Kelowna is one of those cities, like Halifax is, for example, where they just have that built in. So it would have been a great time, but I'm sure they will have it back out there again sometime. With regard to this decision made by the Canadian Hockey League, are you surprised in any way by the timing? We know that there were a number of scenarios in play where the league might have been able to salvage some sort of playoff, some sort of championship tournament, but they've pulled the plug or cut the cord, however we want to describe it, uh, pretty early on in this. Are you surprised by the timing? Not really. I think once we found out, for example, that schools weren't going back as of April 6th, so that was one of the indications that we're, you know, we're not going to have group uh, situations. And, of course, whether we had games with no fans, that's a whole different issue. But I think it was getting to the point where, okay, when could you get four rounds of playoffs in, even if they were shortened to three out of five series, for example. I think we were just getting into a situation where we're pushing deeper into June for Memorial Cup, for example, if not even later. And it was just getting to that point of how do you make this work still with integrity, still without risking injury if you're going to push everything together. Plus, the players have all been sent home. The European players have been sent home. Just to get everybody back together, ramp up a season again and try to ramp up a season you know think of playing preseason games in september instead we make those playoff games and the intensity level and you don't want to put players at risk where something happens here we ramp up and you know here's game one of the playoffs after a four-day mini camp or something like that and then a player is injured and it's something that affects them long term i think you look at this and sure this isn't an easy decision it's nobody wanted this situation but i think it is the right move and uh, i think you just sort of have to do some forward thinking and realize how does this potentially play out you know the nhl is looking at possibly are they playing in july basically when the olympics were going to happen i don't think the canadian hockey league was going to look into that and i think for a lot of leagues looking at that situation where how much can we salvage of this year versus 
maintaining and trying to go from scratch and get an entirely quote-unquote normal season going next year. Uh, there are probably going to be ripple effects from this that we have not yet even thought of, but a couple of big ones that stand out to me. Teams, and I'll use the Peterborough Peets uh, as an example, who have been kind of knocking on the door for a little bit and invested a lot in Akeel Thomas this year and won't be able to see what he might have been able to do for them. Ottawa, of course, in the second year of a really good hockey club and looking to take the step that they couldn't quite finish last season. So you've got teams that will not be able to reap the rewards of the investments they made this year. And then you've got overage players whose careers came to a crashing halt. Usually we get to say a bit of a long goodbye in this league. Do you think we'll see anything happen uh, around these impacts on the game this year in terms of compensatory picks, in terms of bringing, making the overage uh, year a year later so players can have another go at it or anything like that? Honestly, I don't think so. I think we're seeing, for example, uh, some players that were overage players now have already signed contracts. Now, I guess we've seen that where players were going into an overage year, signed a contract, and don't come back. But at this point, no, I don't. I think you do the clean break. It's unfortunate. I, you know, be nice in some situations where if teams were able to do something at the beginning of the next of next season to honor those players if they're available, whether a video tribute if they're off at the school or off playing pro somewhere, or now, of course, with the advent of social media ramping up and being such a big part of people's lives, seeing that where teams are using that to sort of uh, make up the overage honoring situation. I saw the Sarnia Sting, for example, uh, their captain, Ryan McGregor, who has since signed with Arizona. He recorded a video that was basically what he would have said during an overage ceremony, giving his thank yous and to billets and coaches and everything like that. So sort of filling that void. Uh, and I think in terms of the teams that loaded up, I think we're just in a situation where everybody's got to adjust and nobody wants that wanted this, but I don't think you can necessarily then, you know, how do you weigh that? How do you say that, well, the fact that you went for Keel Thomas, for example, in Peterborough, that's worth a pick. I don't think you can put any sort of measurement value on this, and I think it's just a case, and there was no guarantees that something would have happened. One of those teams that was loaded up could have gone out in the first round. That could have happened as well. So I think it's just unfortunate, and I think you kind of compare it a little bit to teams where they load up and maybe get a player they're hoping to have for a couple of seasons, and then they go on to the NHL. I can think of in Sarnia. They picked up Travis Connecting a few years ago for that year, but also hoping for the next season to have him there either for their own team or to get all those picks back in a trade. Well, he stayed in Philadelphia and off you go. So I think that's the risk you take. And I think in this situation, that's just unfortunate for those teams that loaded up. But I think at this point, I don't see how you can you know, go out of the way to somehow assist them or give them some sort of bailout, basically, for this when uh, everybody's sort of in the same situation. Yeah, Jan Unique comes to mind in Hamilton this season as well. The injury being a little bit different than the graduation to the NHL, but I'm sure that the, the Bulldogs had designs on using him to recoup a lot of what was spent in their championship run of a couple of seasons ago. And I think in the big picture, I know we've got all kinds of questions and, you know, we wonder the what ifs, but we have to remember too, this is not the fault of the league. In fact, what the league has done here, as you and I have already said, is absolutely the right thing when it comes to the safety and health of players and fans of this game. So it's not as though the league has done something to unjustly or unfairly 
penalize teams. No, it is no one's fault. And you look at, you know, sure, everyone's feeling the impact of it from the, even the teams that uh, take it to the team that was not going to the playoffs. They're losing up to maybe four home dates in that last week. Well, that was some income they would have liked. And now they're basically having to take those tickets and create new tickets for next season. So not only losing the income, but also having to refund those basically or give vouchers for next season that's going to cut into their revenue for next season. So you look at those kind of situations. Players that were maybe on the bubble towards a contract or something professionally, where maybe a few more games would have helped them in their case, and just to be able to get a little bit more exposure. Sure, two weeks of a season should not, uh, you know, basically be the deciding factor of whether a team is going to sign an overage player, a 19-year-old player, but may not hurt either. So I think everyone's just going to feel the impact. This, the, this and it already is feeling the impact, but certainly it's nobody's fault. Uh, everyone is, everyone's dealing with this. I don't think there's any aspect of life right now, never mind hockey, that is not dealing with this, having to adjust, having some sort of negative impact, whether it's socially, financially, and anything else. So we all just work through this, and I think when we get back to something that looks a little bit more like normal life, we uh, move forward, and I think maybe look at this and say, okay, uh, you know, what are the opportunities or what are the risks of something like this happening again where a season would cut short, hopefully not in our lifetimes, hopefully it's one of those uh, once-in-a-century things, but at the end of the day, yeah, you can't blame anyone for this. Getting back to normal life or normal sports life is uh, still up in the air as far as the National Hockey League is concerned and its draft, which was going to be happening in June. However, I guess there are advantages in the Ontario Hockey League where the draft is conducted online and that's still the OHL priority selection is going to be able to continue. And that's exactly it. You go back, this is 20 years now, the OHL has been doing that, and uh, now some of the other leagues, I think, are looking at that, saying maybe we'll just go with that mode this year. And so the OHL, it's an advantage, really, from that standpoint, that uh, the only gatherings going on are within the cities themselves and the teams themselves, and then the teams can, of course, take their steps to make sure physical distancing is in place, decide who they bring into town versus who they have on video conferencing, for example, where normally an OHL team would have all its scouts, for example, in one room with the general manager, with the coaches, whoever they decide to bring in and some support staff. Maybe, for example, this year a team will decide they'll just bring in a minimal number of people within the room and then have everyone else maybe on a video conference, for example, so they can still interact with their scouts. But, uh, you know, that'll be up to the teams to decide depending on the facilities they have. They have a big enough room. You could bring enough people maybe around that room, but they're so spread out. Never mind uh, six feet apart. They could be 10, 12, 15 feet apart and still just chat across the room. There's so many ways that, uh, you know, if you have the facilities, you can certainly do things. But, uh, you know, video conferencing we're seeing used in a lot of cases. So, And then they just log into a system and a combination of a computer system and a conference call to make their picks. I, of course, get a chance to sort of see uh, both sides of that. I get to see uh, behind the scenes of how the uh, the draft works at OHL headquarters in Scarborough. And that's basically it. Everyone's logged into a, a computer system and there's a list of all the players. And when your pick is up, you just uh, click on the player, hit submit, and then the league uh, sees that at their end and they click approve. So it's definitely a way to keep physical distancing when uh, you can be inside your own arena, inside a hotel room. You could realistically, a general manager could do this draft from home. So 
So it's certainly a big advantage when it comes to uh, the times we're dealing with right now. Who knew we'd be blazing a trail like this all those years ago when the OHL went to this online format? You never would have thought about it in these types of circumstances, but here we are. Well, that's exactly it. Uh, Rather than maybe trying to scramble to put something like this in place, it's already there. And that's the thing. We look at how far technology has come along. This was in place in 2001. That was the first time the OHL priority selection was done through this current format. The only thing that's changed, I know the software platform at one point changed over to a different company, but uh, beyond that, the format of how the OHL priority selection has been done, you know, we're into 20 years of it because uh, the 20th time this year, because it was back in 2001 uh, that this uh, first start. Who would have thought when Patrick O'Sullivan was the first overall pick in 2001 on the first uh, online OHL priority selection, indeed, we'd be uh, in these times now. I'm sure I speak for both of us, Terry, when uh, I say we can't wait to get back to the rink and see each other in the Ontario Hockey League and just focus on the games and and move past all of this. It'll become a a memory, one we will never forget, obviously, but just that, a memory of the the year the the game was stopped by COVID-19. And you mentioned uh, hopefully a a once-in-a-century thing. I certainly hope we don't have to go through anything like this again in our time in the league. Uh, It's it's a great league to be around and and you make some great relationships and friendships through it all. And uh, before we let you go and, and send you off on your summer, uh, on that note, just with everything going on from a public health perspective, how are you? How's life in Sarnia these days? Well, it's interesting. And of course, uh, those of us, yourself included, have other hats, not just in the OHL, but in my case, uh, being the station manager of the Your TV station here in Sarnia, we've uh, you know changed uh, gears, gone to a, a daily half-hour news-type show to update people on what's going on, something we don't normally do in Sarnia, but uh, putting the resources, uh, the limited resources we have, as we all have limited resources in local areas, uh, into this where we do uh, all the interviews by Skype or Zoom or other video conferencing to uh, let people hear from the officials uh, in the area and, of course, emphasize those messages of physical distancing. But at the same time, and that's why some people are moving away from the term social distancing because they're wanting people to be social, just not physically social in terms of using video conference, pick up the phone, send an email, send a message, whatever, to uh, have those interactions. So it has been busy that way. Uh, other than that, for me, it's certainly uh, a case where it's it's quiet. Obviously, I'm uh, I live on I live alone in Sarnia, so it's not like uh, a whole lot of people I can hang out with, uh, you know, off of work time. So uh, having chats like this or catching up with people, even you know, sending a text out to a friend that I haven't talked to in a bit to say, hey, how are you? How, how are you holding up? And I think that's a key message for a lot of people is uh, you know think of that person you haven't chatted with or haven't had a text message with in a few months or something, and just send them a message, say hi, see how they're doing, and uh, might open up a whole new dialogue or start catching up about uh, what's going on. And I was one person I texted, indeed, was like, wait a minute, we haven't talked in a bit, so this is new, this is new. Uh, Somebody got a new vehicle a little while ago. Here's what's going on with this. See how they're adapting to maybe working from home and getting ideas in terms of uh, what is working well when it comes to working from home. So I think that's where we can all share ideas and uh, that becomes that socializing in this uh, pandemic 2020. And I think definitely that's a key right now is uh, don't be 
afraid to reach out to someone just to, to say hi to, uh, you know, through whatever method that you decide to do. Obviously, uh, don't just show up at their door. Whatever you do, use some sort of other uh, electronic form of communication. But uh, indeed, I think at this point, that's the key for everyone is working together. And if you know of someone that's, uh, you know, an elderly person, maybe reach out just to see. I talked to a gentleman recently. He's 80 years old. He actually had someone reach out. It was a, t- a counselor in the small communities and just to say, do you need anything? Do you need any groceries or anything like that? He was good. He had family around, but he appreciated that uh, offer of assistance. Well, thanks as always for answering uh, this text. I uh, look forward to catching up with you in person the next time we're at Progressive Auto Sales Arena in Sarnia. But uh, you stay safe, you stay healthy, and we'll catch you in a rink for the real stuff down the road. We will see you soon. I'm sure we're all looking forward to those days when we see each other in an OHL rink again. Whatever team is your favorite team, I know that it's hard to think about that or see that right now as we're in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic and we're dealing with it on a day-to-day, if not hour-by-hour basis. But the dust will settle. The skies will clear. And we will get back at some point to playing hockey. And we should look forward to that. And we should really celebrate it when that time comes. Just imagine how that first game of the next season, whenever that does begin, I would expect it begins on time. Just imagine how good that game is going to feel, knowing that we're back in a place that right now we couldn't be even if we wanted to be. And so many of us want to be there right now because the playoffs are just about to begin. Your team might be one of the teams that's got a really good shot this year. And all of the excitement that comes with eight seven-game series getting underway. And we've been denied that. We also have to keep in mind that being denied that is not because somebody took away something from us on purpose. This was a response by the Canadian Hockey League to do what I think is the right thing, what I absolutely think is the right thing in light of the public health crisis that we're facing. But that doesn't mean it's an easy thing to do. So let's find out what went into the decision to pull the plug as we catch up with OHL Commissioner David Branch. His thoughts on the season that was and how it ended so abruptly. I guess right off the bat, uh, Dave, I'm sure these decisions do not come lightly or easily. What, What went into the conversation? What was that like deciding to say no playoffs, no Memorial Cup this year? Well, I mean... You know, Michael, there's certain principles uh, that as a league, our teams uh, operate by. And, you know, the two leading principles initially are uh, our players and what's best for them and how do we support their needs on and off the ice and then our fans. And this horrific experience we're all going through, the decision wasn't really, uh, in my view, all that challenging. Because uh, by living by our principles, we had to do what we had to do. And and while none of us liked it, uh, it was embraced by our teams. And uh, we have to move forward and uh, plan for the future uh, as as we do move forward. So it, uh, yeah, it's it, and you know what, Michael. The other thing, quite frankly, <clears throat> is that the game of hockey pales in comparison to the game of life. And uh, that's what we're all facing now is the game of life. 
and uh, we must all do our part, play our part in getting back to uh, good health and normalcy and getting this virus behind us. You talk about those guiding principles, Dave, and, and I suspect that leads to why the decision was made uh, as quickly as it was, not to, you know, because we don't know where what things are going to look like next uh, in the next hour, not to say nothing of next week, but instead of leaving any sort of hope out there to, to hang on to something, a shortened playoff, anything like that, uh, you've just decided to provide that certainty right now and, and pull the plug at this point. Well, I think collectively as a league, we, we arrived at that. I think, first of all, Michael, uh, as uh, you would know, and many of our fans, this year's Memorial Cup was to be played in Kelowna, B.C. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a location second to none in, in terms of the overall uh, community, the area, the facility. But the province of B.C. Uh, decreed a couple of weeks ago that uh, all uh, events in the province would be cancelled until at least May 31st. And of course, that right away went to, hey, you know what? Uh, we can't play the Memorial Cup as scheduled there. We did look uh, at the opportunity of possibly having the Memorial Cup in June in, in Kelowna, but things just didn't line up with availability and all the unknowns for rooms arena facility, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, at any rate, uh, we then took a position that we're not going to play hockey in July. Uh, We don't even like playing hockey in June, quite frankly. And that goes to the players because our players, uh, you know, in the off season, which we all know doesn't exist now, (laughs) start to prepare for next year. Uh, There's the NHL entry draft that, you know, undrafted players look forward to, et cetera, et cetera. And so really everything lined up to suggest to us, you know what, there really isn't an, an opportunity here to move forward with the Memorial Cup. And that decision was not taken lightly. I mean, it's been presented 102 times consecutively since it was first awarded in 1919. Huge, huge, you know, symbolic, uh, I think, uh, position uh, in terms of what that trophy means and, and, the, and the gravity of, of that decision. And, uh, you know, the one thing we have decided to do, Mike, as an OHL, is maintain the previously scheduled April 4th OHL priority selection, our draft, for the very reasons that we want to give the draft-eligible players, primarily the 2004 for that something to look forward to because a lot of things were taken away from them with the cancellation of the OHL Cup, the OHL Combine, other events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we hope that for those players and our fans, uh, this is something that will be welcomed and appreciated as, hey, we're starting to move forward in a small baby steps for next year. And, uh, in, and in so doing, just for the benefit of all your listeners, of course, our priority selection is done by way of Internet. It has been for the last 15 years. We reviewed uh, the principles of our uh, Internet draft uh, with the provincial government guidelines. It met the test that it's all done, first of all, remotely and online. Uh, so we are observing, uh, as we should and must, uh, 
uh, you know, the, the various uh, new policies that are, are in place uh, that uh, are our part, all part of the healing process, you might say. Did you ever imagine all those years ago that moving the draft online like you did may, would make you a trailblazer in this kind of regard? Because you c- still can have that draft on the 4th. It was a brilliant move, eh, Mike? <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. You know what? Uh, to the credit, again, of our owners, they, they adopted that whole principle, and it was quite a departure, okay? But the new world was saying the use of technology and, once again, being fair to our players, especially those players that maybe don't get drafted when they thought they would or should, uh, or don't get drafted at all. I mean, we're just trying to respect everyone's, you know, uh, situation and, and not to embarrass anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really evolved now where, you know, there's all these draft parties and uh, I think people have come to see that the players are all, uh, you know, vetted rather well uh, by our teams as they bring them into their communities, et cetera, et cetera. So, and of course, there's been such a shift you know, I was asking someone the other day, I wonder if we'll ever return to, uh, you know, the educational system uh, being what it was in terms of classrooms or, you know, the number of classrooms. Will we just move more and more to online classes and teaching methods, etc.? So anyhow, it's a new world, changing world. And yes, we were prepared for it. The West and Quebec leagues are both, uh, we're working with them to assist them in, in the various technical requirements as they'll be moving their particular draft proceedings to uh, online. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a good step, Michael, 15 years ago. In arriving at the decision, Dave, to uh, pull the plug on this season in its entirety, playoffs, Memorial Cup, were there any conversations around where the Memorial Cup should be played next year? In other words, does it just stay in Kelowna because they lost the chance to be the host through no fault of their own? Hey, excellent point. Um, we happened, uh, uh, when I say we, the, the three commissioners and, and, and Dan McKenzie, we were together at meetings um, in March. And you know what? Things were starting to suggest, whoa, boy, uh, this is going to be a challenge. You know, it wasn't near because this thing in a matter of hours was changing. So it was discussed about, you know, uh, keeping the Memorial Cup in Kelowna next year, uh, as an example, or respecting that Ontario had started the process. And we had two bid proponents, one from Sault Ste. Marie, the Greyhounds, and, of course, the Generals in Oshawa. So uh, we did talk to Kelowna. And, Michael, you know junior hockey. You know how teams are constructed. And their team was built for this year. And they just said, hey, we could not put a quality team together next year to host. And for that reason, and quite frankly, others, it was agreed that Ontario would next host and we're going to go through our bid process as we customarily do. And uh, we're excited as an OHL to be hosting this event uh, in 2021. 
Speaking of how teams build up to that uh, summit of hosting a Memorial Cup and and the moves that they would make, obviously we see teams do that across all three leagues every year. And uh, in this particular case, they may have spent assets and they don't get to reap those rewards through longer playoff runs and even championship banners, perhaps. Uh, I know it would turn into a logistical nightmare, but was it ever considered, did it come up that... Do we compensate in any way these teams that that loaded up, as we like to say, for a playoff run that they also do not get to have? Well, I mean, um, of course, that has there's an awareness about that, um, but that discussion point among our teams has never come up. I think most respect that. Hey, let's use the OHL. There's 20 teams. Uh, Five teams are very aggressive in, in maybe uh, pursuing their, their goals of winning the OHL championship and make adjustments to their roster. I mean, they do that on their own. And at the end of the day, there is only one champion. So I, I don't believe there's much of an appetite to really consider uh, even uh, what could be done, should be done to those teams uh, that uh, – made certain roster adjustments. And the one thing we always say, Michael, is that we play 680 regular season games in the OHL. Those are the most important games, in our view. And yes, there's a total of eight games at the Memorial Cup in May, but be careful measuring eight games versus 680. And uh, when you look at our league this year, there was not as much movement that maybe has been in the past, quite frankly. And uh, we'll we'll just see how this thing starts to roll out as we go forward. You mentioned earlier, Dave, the tradition that is the Memorial Cup. 102 consecutive years the trophy has been presented and what that means. And I know you're as much a fan of this game as you are its leader in the Ontario Hockey League. How much of a hole does it leave in your heart to know that, despite all the good reasons for it, that championship trophy won't be awarded this year? Hey, it hurts. <laughs> no question it hurts. But, I mean, um, I can then only imagine how much it hurts our players that were on an OHL team this year that had a real legitimate opportunity to win the OHL championship and then possibly the Memorial Cup. And so, the, to me, that's very clearly perspective. And uh, you, you know, you, you just—that's part of life. It's a life learning experience for so many, and we just have to move on. Yeah, and so we do. Not the way we expected. As uh, we began this conversation, I, I said to you, if my math was right, uh, the playoffs, at least uh, for me in Kitchener, probably would have been starting about 24 hours from now. And here we are talking about a rather abrupt end to the season. I agree. You know what? <laughs> I mean, playoffs are, are such a special time. And uh, there's been something taken away. And, and, and that hurts. Uh, it's not something we planned for. You can play a seven-game series and lose in the seventh game, and there's a sting. But you know what? In short order, hey, you know what? We have learned. Uh, you win some, you lose some, you move forward. This one is not so much losing as having something come along and take it away from you. And I, I find that hurt seems to linger more than 
losing in the seventh game, you might say. Dave, always appreciate the time, uh, especially at a time like this. So thanks for making it. And I look forward to seeing you in a rink when we can talk about the games that are back on the ice where they belong. I really look forward to that as well, Michael. Thank you so much. See, this just goes to show how easy our jobs are. Right? Right? Tell me about it. Yeah, you can be completely laid up, out of commission, and yet we can still record one last episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. We we uh, emphasize the word... Um, my, my brain obviously isn't working either right now. My transparency... We emphasize the word transparency on this podcast. So to be transparent, I am currently laying on my couch, hood up over my head, eyes closed under a blanket. But here I am doing one last episode of the Firewall and Pope podcast. I'm glad you brought up that word transparency because you and I have been friends for, I really don't know how many years now, but we've been working side by each as broadcast partners for now three seasons. We can say it's the end of the third season because even though it ended prematurely, it's over. We've done three seasons together. Yeah. And in all that time, I'm not sure we have figured out how to communicate properly. Very fair. I sent you a text, and because I'm sure people are wondering why the hell it was only my voice on the interviews on this podcast. So I want to, I just, I want to see where we broke down here. I sent you a text on Monday night at 6.51 p.m. I'm reading now directly from my phone. Good, please do. And it says, one more podcast, mainly a public service announcement, urging people to stay the bleep home and maybe exactly in those words. And your response said, do we honestly need to do one? Not sure what else there is to say at this point. Now, I took that to mean, okay, Pope's calling it a season. And so I went and reached out to our friends, Terry Doyle and our commissioner, David Branch, and organized a conversation with them for the podcast. And then later in the week, you're like, oh, hey, I've got all these great ideas. So I, w- where did I go wrong on Monday night? What did I misinterpret? Where did you go wrong? There's an open-ended question. That's eh? a good point. Um, I, well, I think after I said, what else is there left to say? I think if you kept reading said conversation, um, I did say, um, yeah, sure. And then, uh, and then we got into some other topics, <laughs> <laughs> like we are, you know, inclined to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just followed up Tuesday with a hey, let's see if we can line someone up. But I'm glad you did the leg work and allowed me to rest my legs because paired with this coronavirus, a pinched nerve in the lower back is not helping my situation. Um, so I appreciate you doing the leg work. Thanks, Harzi. How was Branchy? Did he did he say he's been dodging us? He never dodges us. Oh, okay, good. We dodge him more often than not. Isn't that the way? <laughs> never. He's yeah. a great guy. I, I'm, I'm upset I missed that uh, that conversation because he, he's just he's a great guy. He's very educated, smart, well-spoken, and just extremely good at his job. And all of a sudden he comes on when you're not going to be here. I mean, I, I don't want to try to put ideas in your head, but I might take that personally. Trust me. I, that's exactly how it comes across. <laughs> um, and quite, and if, if I'm if I'm being transparent, quite frankly, I don't blame him. So I don't blame him one bit. Wow. And this from the guy that I have to put up with sixty eight games a year for three seasons now. We are two hundred and four games into it together, Popper. 
I know, eh? Crazy. It's not, it's not including playoffs, which... Not, not including playoffs. I laughed when some... I can't remember who it was, and I apologize. I haven't done much research for this podcast, obviously. Um, but somebody tweeted about one of the Rangers' uh, uh, video games they did. That one of the games were made season and tweeted at Mike McKenzie that you guys going to post-game interview. <laughs> like, McKenzie talks to you and I a combined, what, 136 times a season? That's right. <laughs> like you, you think he wants to do one more? No, I don't blame him. Yeah, and, you know, not to make our jobs sound like the hardest jobs in the world because we've already established that they are not, but... Quite frankly, when you're playing games at the pace we play them in this league three times a week, sometimes even a fourth game in a seven-day span, and you're talking to the coach pregame and postgame every single time, the the well runs dry pretty damn quick. It does, and it, and it ran really uh, – the, the well ran dry really quick this year because McKenzie took over late, and – it was the same result, it seemed, every single game. So it was like, so, Mike, uh, another big lead at the 40-minute mark, and you held on. <laughs> good, good good game. Blow out again, eh, Mike? Okay, uh, good game. Uh, Jacob Bingham, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> what else more was there to say? Kid might have a future. Yeah, I know. That's the worst part, isn't it? Like we And there was probably four, let, let's say six teams across the entire OHL that probably had a chance at a championship. And not that we have any force in the race or anything. It just would have been fun to see that playoff race work down the way it would have. Yeah, and I think of this too, uh, and I'm sure we can get to the fans in a second, but for the overage players uh, across this league who, you know, almost inevitably will get a send-off in their final regular season home game so the fans and the billets can all recognize them and they can have something to take away with them from their junior hockey experience. And and there's just always... I've been describing it as the long goodbye that we get to have because you know the season's coming to an end. If you're not going to make the playoffs, you kind of know that. So you've got, you know, 10 games or whatever to get ready for the fact that game number 68 is the end. And then when you're into the playoffs, it's a series. You have to lose four before you're done, but you get a chance. You just mentally can prepare yourself for it. And in this case, nobody got that chance. And for the players that are graduating out of this league, who to a person over the years has said to us, it goes by so quick. It was over in an instant and they didn't even get the chance for that long goodbye. Yeah, it was crazy. I saw Liam Howell's Instagram post. He said it, Played the last one without even knowing it. And that, let me tell you, that's the worst. I remember when my abysmal junior career came to an end, I sat in that room in my hockey gear for hours. I said, I want to take it off. And But at least I got to know going into that game and all the emotions that I had going into that game, thinking this could be the last one, where that thought process was the furthest thing from these kids' minds. And whether it counts because it was game six or three or not, I look at Liam Howell, who had a great game against his former club in Guelph um, for a team that he won an OHL championship with. And then you look at another overager in Greg Morales, who had six points that night. It, uh, at least they can look at it that they went out on a high, um, even though that, that game may not count for the official record books. 
Yeah, and at least Liam Howell had the chance to win that OHL championship play in a Memorial Cup. The There are a number of teams that loaded up this year. I think of the Peterborough Peets. I think of the Ottawa 67s, which were loaded from day one, it seems. And you've got players on those teams who were rightfully thinking of a trip out to Kelowna, British Columbia, and will not get the chance to compete for that junior championship. The sun will come up tomorrow, as Don Cameron was always uh, inclined to say in situations like this. They'll get over it. But I think this is going to take just a a little bit longer. And and speaking of that Memorial Cup, uh, your thoughts on Kelowna now not hosting this year. It's going to come back to the Ontario Hockey League next year. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, speak about people that are upset about this and you think of Kelowna not even the the team on the ice but the team in the front office that did everything they could to pitch that idea Um, all the businesses that got behind the idea of bringing the Memorial Cup to town Um, everything that goes into it all the planning and everything like all the hotels and all of that that just gets wiped out and you know, it it sucks for them. It sucks for the franchise. It sucks for the city, the mayor, the people in the in the city. But at the end of the day, it's something small in a much bigger situation. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Uh, you know, Dave Branch told us in in the conversation, this is about the the game of life, and the game of hockey has to be secondary to that. And that's yeah. that's what it is for everybody. I know fans of this league are very disappointed, and they feel the sting too. But right now, uh, of of paramount importance for everybody is just making sure they and their families stay healthy, so that when the games return we can go to them again and we can enjoy them and celebrate the victories and, and drink a beer over the losses. Exactly. And that, like, that's a perfect way to put it. It's about the game of life, right? How do we move forward next year? Let's not worry about this. They weren't going to sacrifice the health of people. So like, just talk about traveling from city to city and the players and the coaches and stuff like that, let alone the scorekeepers, the shot clock people, the media people, um, the public address announcer and that's just the regular season then you're talking playoffs you got to go even further then you're putting people in hotels and then you're talking the memorial cup and then you want them to travel from across the country it's just there was no chance that this chl was going to allow that to happen it's funny you mentioned the media people because it's been kind of entertaining over the last uh, few weeks watching our colleagues and they'll tag us on some tweets otherwise other times they'll just kind of be off on their own doing their thing but you know uh dom hennig from flint uh tweeted at us just the other friday night when it was supposed to be the firebirds and, and rangers game and he said we're not friends until nine thirty tonight and we see a bunch of the guys out there uh and and Ladies, I'm thinking in the booth, there are only guys, but the um, the women that are around this game, too, as much as they are covering it as well as they do as hosts, as uh, rinkside reporters, etc. And uh, all of us are just kind of uh, talking amongst ourselves on social media saying, hey, uh, what happened and, and what are we doing now? Yeah, and that's, we've talked about, it, about how much, even as this, you know, the, the trainers talk about in this OHL, about how much their family... Excuse me, and um, all the all the coaching staff—they talk about how much they're family. And, you know, it, when it comes down to it, the media members too. We you know, we create a relationship with these people, and um, early on, as the break happened. Somebody uh, tweeted out that if we were all going to meet for a beer somewhere, and then I liked how I think it was Charlie from down in Saginaw, and she tagged Ali at a Mississauga, 
and um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the female's name in Hamilton. I think there was a few others. Yeah, just Paige from London was in on that too. Paige from London, yeah, just reminding us that hey, you know, I think they said, uh, "Looks like we got a party to crash." <laughs> and I, I loved it. And you, you mentioned the female. It wasn't too long ago, and the NHL was still going on that. We had an all-female crew call a game for Rogers Sports. I think it's about time we get a female into an OHL booth. We did that. Rogers TV did that out of, I think it was Mississauga, two or three, recent, before the National Hockey League did it, they did an all-female broadcast crew in the OHL, too. Really? Yeah. Good for them. I know. Progressive, right? On the, on the money. It's, and it took the NHL too long to follow suit. Listen, I'm not normally one to pump the corporate Kool-Aid, but I will say, if Rogers is nothing else, it is progressive. So speaking of the corporate Kool-Aid, what's the contract status, Popper? Are we coming back for a fourth season in September or what? Hey, again, we're being transparent here. we got a new boss at 570 News. So, <clears throat> I don't know. We're going to have to make a few phone calls, I think. Well, listen, I... I'm under contract until 2021, so I've got this season and one more currently, but I don't know, like the season coming up, so I've got until the end of the 2022 season. Okay. For now. Right, so who knows what about that? What are, you, are you telling me that you are a free agent currently? Well, I'll tell you this. I got a really good lawyer. Okay? Based, <laughs> out of town. And, uh, based out of where? Based out of town here. Yeah, I think I've used him before. He was very yeah, good to me. I won't say his name, but his name rhymes with Schmation Smalling. And uh, if, if he has any say in it, I think my contract's ironclad because if Rogers didn't have a chance before to rip it up, I'm sure they do now. If <laughs> <laughs> they haven't already, it means that my lawyer did good work. Popper, I was thinking it would be fitting, uh, given where we are at, if we kind of wrapped up this episode and, and this season with the... Uh, open letter that Kitchener Rangers general manager Mike McKenzie sent to fans because I, I think this applies across the board and I know each team did its own thing to uh, to thank its fans but I, I think it, it kind of speaks to where we're at uh, with the game right now and it's, uh, it's a pretty good way to put a bow on things. Would you mind? No, not at all. Do you want to lead it? Okay, I've got it, I've got it right here. Yeah. Dear Rangers fans, this is a note I was hoping I wouldn't have to write but unfortunately... Here we are. At a time like this, the health and safety of everyone is of utmost importance, and sports understandably becomes secondary. It is still an extremely disappointing way to end a hockey season, especially one with so much excitement and promise still ahead. I feel terrible for our players who put their heart and soul into this season and must feel so empty right now. This is especially true for overage and graduating players who will not receive the proper send-off they deserve. Hockey seasons usually end with some type of closure, whether that is hoisting a trophy, hugging a teammate, shaking hands with a coach, or getting to cheer on your favorite player one last time. Right now, not getting that closure is painful for players, staff, and fans. There are so many people who have invested so much time and energy into our team this season. I would like to acknowledge all the people working in hockey operations, our medical team, our business staff, and, of course, our loyal Billet families. The hard work and passion of all these people is special. We thank them for another tremendous season and their contributions to the Kitchener Rangers. Finally, I'd like to thank our loyal fans. The passion and support this season has been nothing short of spectacular. 
the energy you brought to the odd did not go unnoticed. Our players and staff are so fortunate to be able to play in front of such passionate, loud, and knowledgeable fans. The best in the entire OHL. We appreciate all your support this season and look forward to seeing that support continue when our players return next season. Our entire staff is already working hard to ensure we are ready for next season. In the meantime, it's so important for everyone to continue to follow directions from health and safety experts. Now more than ever, we need to stick together as a community. Please take care of yourself, your families, and each other. See you next season. Mike McKenzie, general manager and interim head coach of the Kitchener Rangers. No mention of media, but a pretty solid letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty solid letter, and I've seen a few teams um, release similar ones too. Um, I found it very interesting when I did read that, that he did put interim head coach. Yeah, I noticed that too. But the, the plan still, I think, is, and, and he never strayed from it, that uh, they will have a new coach in place in Kitchener for the 2020-2021 campaign. I knew that was the plan, and I know he said that from day one, but and I know, like I, he believes his future and where he wants to go in hockey is in the front office area. But it just given the record they had under him, it's a bold move to try to hire someone else. I hope in so doing he fires himself. Mike just for McKenzie fun, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mike McKenzie relieves Mike McKenzie. Yeah. I. You know, the, it, they will obviously have a laundry list of people applying for that job as of right now. Um, people who are already coaches in the Ontario Hockey League, people that are already coaches in the Q and the Dub and the OJ and every other league there is. People will be applying to be a head coach. But... As hard as it is already to take on that role and as much expectations come with that role, how much more are those expectations exemplified now because of the success that McKenzie had as head coach? Yeah, if I'm a head coach working under him next season, I'm looking at the record he had as head coach saying, okay, so there's the bar. This is what yeah. we're striving for. Yeah, like what if, what if game four he says, uh, hey, uh, hey, Mike, I think, or Mike's about name because he's Mike. So what if he says to the new coach, Chris, he says, hey, Chris, um, I think Reed Vallad might be, might be better if you put him next to Declan McDonald. Like, does the coach say no? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, what I saw last year, I really liked the way those two play together. Okay, Mike. <laughs> I think sure. if it's... Yeah, if it's uh, one thing we know about Mike McKenzie, it's that he knows how to separate church and state. He's he's a pro through and through, and I don't think as GM he'll he'll meddle in the game uh, that the coach is trying to operate in game. But it's definitely a, an interesting idea. No, but we also know he's being mind. That's true. He doesn't like it. He gonna tell you. <laughs> and I like that about him. Oh, Popper, I can't believe it's come to this, and it's come to it as quickly as it has, but. But here we are. It's not even the end of March, and uh, another season is in the books. I know. And you know, on the tail end of Mackenzie's uh, letter, I know I speak for you in saying that we know that you know there are players for the Rangers and other teams that listen to this podcast from time to time. So a giant thank you to any player that gave us the time over the course of the season. We really appreciate it. The graduating players, best of luck. Stay in touch. 
to the media members that we talked about and that we didn't talk about whenever we went there. Thanks a lot for the hospitality. We like seeing you guys and hope that you uh, feel the same reciprocated when you come to Kitchener and to the coaches and um, general managers that give us the time as well. We know it's not easy. Sometimes we ask some awful questions. Sometimes we ask some hard questions. And sometimes we bug you 136 times a year. So we appreciate every time you say yes. Yeah, and if you've been on the podcast before, tell your friends how much fun it was because uh, we're going to be back looking for more content next season for sure. Unless it wasn't fun, then lie. Absolutely. That's all we ask. A little white lie here and there. Not a big deal. Exactly. So we wait a couple weeks and mid-September we'll kick it off all over again. Hey, uh, Popper, get some chicken soup in, in you, would you? I know. I'm going to try to cook something here. I haven't eaten all day. <laughs> Stay healthy, my friend. For a big fella like me, that says a lot. <laughs> this might be a good thing for you. Touche. There you go. I'm Farwell. And I am Pope. And that is one more round with the Farwell and Pope podcast. Wash your hands. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.